you'll notice that right at the top there is a message um, dated July 31st and it is called Roles Within the World and that is the message that we're going to start with and then we'll go into August which to me is a little bit fun because it seems like we've been in July 2005 for a long time. <laughs> I'm ready to get into a new month. <laughs> so let's finish up July. Uh, okay, here was the question I asked the Holy Spirit. A Course in Miracles says, The leader and the follower emerge as separate roles, each seeming to possess advantages you would not want to lose. And then I asked, What would you share about this? I'm going to read that sentence again. The leader and the follower emerge as separate roles, each seeming to possess advantages you would not want to lose. So my question is, you know, what would you share about this particular sentence? And here's Holy Spirit's answer. Roles seem important to you in your world, whether it be the role of mother, child, single, married, husband, wife, boss, employee, or leader, follower. There are many roles that you have assigned and taken on. And you move from one role to another, changing roles with your age, life situation, or the seeming circumstance in the moment. But all of the roles that you hold, or that your brother seems to hold, have one thing in common. With the roles come shifting expectations that cannot be consistently met. And so the role is guaranteed to show that you and your brother are separate and guilty. And I said, okay, <laughs> this is a good topic to discuss. Of course, I seem to have roles. I am a single mother and Jasmine is a child. I see that as my primary and most important role in the world. What would you share with me about this concept? And the answer. Degrees of roles are but illusion. And that, of course, is because I said I see this as my most important role. Degrees of roles are but illusion. At another time, another role may seem to be your most important role in the world. Since roles shift and change, they cannot truly identify you because your identity must be stable. And so I said, okay, so it's not that I am a single mom. That is not my identity. That is a temporary situation that I am in. That does seem to open the way to ask, who am I? And Holy Spirit answered, yes. Letting go of identity with roles frees you to discover self. You may still perform the actions of raising a child and caring for Jasmine, but it is not your role to the point of identity. So not only is the question of your identity opened up, but also the purpose of the actions within raising Jasmine. What is the purpose of this circumstance in form? And as one who is committed to the purpose of awakening, this is the only purpose that can be given to anything now. 
And so that was the end of our discussion on roles. A couple of different things came out of this for me uh, that was helpful. In the, in the first paragraph of the answer, uh, one thing that Holy Spirit said that, to be honest, didn't click for me until about May of 2006. So I was told on July of 2005, and it really didn't click into place until May of 2006. But one thing that Holy Spirit talked about in this first paragraph of this answer is he said that there are many different roles, you know, such as mother and child, uh, which kind of go together, you know, uh, uh, husband and wife kind kind of go together, boss and employee kind of go together, leader and follower, you know, kind of go together. Um, he said there are many different roles, and of course, you know, we change these roles, you know, within life. But he said one thing that is constant with all roles is that when we have these roles, they seem to come with expectations. And yet the expectations um, are never consistently met. So, you know, as an employee, I may have expectations of my boss. Another employee may actually have different expectations of the same boss. (laughs) As a boss, I have expectations of my employees, but if those employees get another boss, as we all know, that boss could have completely different expectations. So the expectations are not consistent. Uh, You know, they change from one individual to another, and so there's no way that these expectations can be consistently met, which really means that they completely open up the mind for judgment uh, completely. Wherever there is an expectation, there is just an opportunity for judgment waiting. Not only that, one thing that I learned, um, I felt in this next year, you know, somewhere between July 2005 and May 2006, I felt deeply, deeply betrayed by someone. Uh, It was one of the biggest forgiveness lessons that I've faced at this point in this lifetime. And uh, what Holy Spirit showed me as I was looking at that betrayal and wanting to forgive it, but not seeming to be able to, that was interesting because for for months um, I seemed to give my willingness and give my willingness and give my willingness. (laughs) And the thoughts of grievance would come into my mind about the betrayal And then, you know, I would let go of the thoughts and I would feel a moment of peace, a moment of rest. And then I swear, 30 seconds, a minute later, they were right back. It was like a full attack in the mind, uh, a strong grievance that just continued and continued. And and I really felt like I I wanted to let go of it, and yet I couldn't. It couldn't seem to at that point. Um, But where I was finally able to let go of it is, of course, where Holy Spirit showed me how I was keeping it. The reason I couldn't let go of it is because I didn't see how I was keeping it. <laughs> but what Holy Spirit showed me is is how the idea of betrayal is created. See, I couldn't really seem to forgive the person because I still believed in betrayal. You know, it, it, it's as you know, the course forgiveness is not seen as guilty and then forgiving. That's the old-fashioned way of forgiveness. The course way of forgiveness is seeing that your brother never did anything in the first place. And the reason that wasn't working for me is because I truly believed in betrayal, and I truly believed that I was deeply betrayed. And so because I truly believed in betrayal, I couldn't seem to forgive the brother. I couldn't seem to let go of the grievance. So what Holy Spirit did was Holy Spirit showed me 
how the idea of betrayal exists in the mind. Uh, the first thing that seemed to happen is that the Holy Spirit seemed to spontaneously help me remember all of the betrayals in my lifetime. I saw a long line of betrayals. The first one seemed to be in fifth grade. <laughs> and I saw a long line of betrayals. And uh, what I saw instantly, I mean, this is all very spontaneously. It'll take much longer to tell you than it took to see it. Um, what I saw was that all of the betrayals had certain characteristics in common. First of all, within each betrayal, there was a defined relationship, like friend and friend, or like, uh, you know, girlfriend and boyfriend, or uh, teacher and student, or boss and employee. You know, there was always a defined relationship. And based on the defined relationship, I had within my mind expectations of how to be true to one another within that relationship. Ideas about how friends treat each other, how lovers treat each other, how a boss or employee treats each other, how co-workers treat each other, you know, how a teacher is with a student. Um, I had all of these ideas in my mind. Now, of course, as you know, these ideas were never actually discussed. I never had a contract with my friend. Um, this is how we will be with one another. <laughs> the ideas existed in my mind, but they existed in my mind as rules. And I always followed my own rules. I, you know, so I was the good one. But at some point along the way, um, you know, in some of these relationships, what would happen is the other person would break one of these unspoken rules. Um, and it would seem like I was betrayed. So what I saw very quickly is that in order to have a betrayal, first there has to be a defined role with expectations. And what I also saw very instantly is that that was all made up, literally made up in my mind, completely made up. You know, I even realized that, you know, different people would have different expectations out of a friendship or a lover relationship or a teacher-student relationship. Everything was completely made up. And I realized that if I would just see my brother as the free son of God with no expectations at all, just the free son of God, and simply be willing to love him as the free son of God, I could never again be betrayed. In order to be betrayed, I must have expectations. But if I choose to allow my brother to be free, I cannot. I truly cannot be betrayed. And for the first time, I understood why in the Course and in NTI, because it says the same thing in both, it says that Judas did not betray Jesus because Jesus could not be betrayed. And when I read that in A Course in Miracles, and when I wrote that in NTI, I didn't understand it. And the reason I didn't understand it is I didn't understand how someone could not be betrayed. Because to me, betrayal was very real. But when Holy Spirit explained to me, again, about it takes a defined relationship and it takes expectations, you must have those building blocks in order to be betrayed, I realized that Jesus could not be betrayed because he did not believe in betrayal. I realized, regardless of whether the story of Judas is true or not, you know, that's not important right now. Let's just go with the assumption that the way it's told in the New Testament is true, you know, that, that Judas did go and turn Jesus in. Let's just assume that is true. Jesus would never have seen that as a betrayal 
because he would never have any expectation of his brother. Never. He only sees the free Son of God without judgment. So Jesus could not be betrayed because the idea of betrayal did not exist in his mind. And what I was able to do when Holy Spirit showed me all of this is I was able to let go of the idea of betrayal. And once I was able to let go of the idea of betrayal, I was finally able to love my brother again, the one I had thought had betrayed me. Because now instead of seeing this specific relationship with these specific expectations, these rules that he had horribly, horribly broken, <laughs> instead of seeing that, I just saw the free Son of God before me. And I loved him. I loved him. And it felt good. It felt really, really, really good to love him again. Really good to love him again. Um, so again, that's part of what's in this first paragraph, which I, again, got in July of 2005, but it didn't really click until May of 2006. Uh, so it's very powerful. The second thing that, of course, is in here is about the idea of roles. I used to have a confusion in my mind that maybe some of you have experienced. I don't know for sure. I haven't heard anybody else talk about it. I used to somehow, well, I'll tell you how bad it was. I mean, you know, the ego can get, get us really crazy. So I'll tell you how bad it was. In the very beginning, in the very beginning of the spiritual path, when I started receiving visions and that kind of thing, and I started realizing I was stepping into something pretty serious here. I wasn't, again, just being entertained with spirituality. <laughs> Um, I used to have this deep, deep fear that if I continued, Jasmine was going to have to die. Uh, that's what I thought. Somehow, I thought that the role of being a single mother would be so much in the way of serving God that Jasmine would have to die. That, that was my fear. I, 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 now I look at it and I see how ridiculous it is, but trust me, then it was a very real fear. And I remember that, uh, I don't even remember the specifics. I wish I could because I would love to tell you. But Holy Spirit guided me temporar temporarily only to the Urantia book. I forget the name. I don't know if that's the name of it or not. <laughs> Maybe you guys know what I'm talking about. And he guided me to the part of the book that is the story of Jesus' life. And he guided me to a specific part of that story, which I don't even remember. I wish I could. But somehow in reading that specific part of the story, the idea that Jasmine would have to die was released. I, there was something in it that told me that was not a true idea. And I remember, I remember, you know, breathing, you know, breathing again. <laughs> because now I could go forward, surrender to God like I wanted to, and, and Jasmine did not have to be sacrificed. <laughs> But even after that idea was let go, somehow there was still guilt. I, I, you know, I can't explain it. Guilt about raising the daughter. Guilt about having that role as if it was somehow in competition with being surrendered to God. Uh, and this followed me for, for quite a while. And so this is another thing that Holy Spirit is obviously addressing in this particular message. You know, Holy Spirit is explaining that I am not a single mom, not to the point of identity. That is not what I am. I am not a single mom any more than I am not a boss. I mean, I filled that role once as a boss, but I am not a boss. That role is over. I am not a child. You know, <laughs> that role is over. I'm not a student. 
that role is over. These are all experiences that I pass through, um, but they are not who I am. And when, it, when Holy Spirit explained that to me in this message, it was such an important shift. I mean, it doesn't sound like much, but up until this day, I would have said, I am a single mom as if it was my identity. I would have said that. And after this particular message, what I realized is I am not a single mom. I mean, that is not what I am. Really, I realized that in, in a very mind-shifting type of way. You know, I am not a single mom. I am not anything. And, and it really opened up the question to ask, well, then, what am I or who am I? And this was, I would say, the beginning of opening my mind to the, to the true idea of um, wanting to know thyself. Because in order to want to know thyself, uh, first, I think there needs to be a realization that I don't know what I am. Uh, but what also happened in this, in, le- in letting go of the identity, is that Holy Spirit also explained, again, you know, something that seems obvious, but at this time for me it wasn't, that everything in my life has the same purpose. And that purpose is awakening. And that includes my temporary relationship with Jasmine. And so this is where I really released the idea that I am a single mom. And I really released the idea that somehow this relationship was in the way of awakening. Because now the relationship had the purpose of awakening. Uh, So it was a big shift for me. Uh, Again, maybe some of it seems obvious at this point, but at that point for me, it wasn't obvious. So I'm sure you can imagine how grateful I was to receive this message on roles. An awful lot um, came out of it. So what I'm going to do right now is just let go of the mic and see if anybody else would like to share anything or ask anything before we move forward. I know I, at one point, and I guess I never shared this, but uh, I had a feeling that my son would have to die so I could realize the temporal nature of form. And to really realize it, I had to have this shocking stuff. And like you said at the time, I thought, oh my God, no, I didn't really want this. You know, and then it came to me, what makes me think that in God's infinite plan, I rate that much that a son would have to be sacrificed, but it reminded me of the story of uh, Abraham when God told him to kill his son. Basically, it really is, what I see it as, is the idea of that child being a child and me being a father was an illusion. Basically, that had to die. Not the actual thing that's going on um, in form, it's just the idea in my mind, but I saw it as actually happening, like I had to sacrifice my son, much like Abraham had to, in order to understand or be with God. And uh, I'm glad you shared it today, because, yeah, that, that came up to me, and like you said, at the time it seemed very real.